Hi, I'm Sarah Kula. Hi, I'm Svetlana Pogrebnik. And this is FinOps Pod. I just was acting like I was taking notes, but I drew a smiley face instead. All right. All right. Should we do this? Yeah, let's start. Hey, I'm Stacey Case. And I'm Joe Daly. <gasps> Woohoo! And this is FinOps Pod. This is FinOps Pod. Joe, it's good to be back. We're going into the the end of the year, that whole busy mm-hmm. season when everybody is out, but then they're in, but then they're out, and it's hard to to get on anybody's schedule. So That's I, right. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. American Thanksgiving, then there's AWS reInvent, and then it's the end of the year. All the holidays of the end of the year. Plus, everybody's trying to finish up their year. You know, you're looking at all of your KPIs and goals and thinking, huh, I committed to that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should actually start doing that. <laughs> how many of you How many of you signed up for your FinOps Certified Practitioner this year mm. with the goal to pass it? You got to pass it? They should probably do that. You know what? I always think that December is a really strong time for people to take their training or certifications because... You get in that flex of like, I don't want to start a new project yet. Mm -hmm. I'm already done wrapping this up. It's a great time to go in and take some training or take that certification if you haven't done it. Plus, Joe, Mm -hmm. by the time this airs, we will have the brand new FinOps Certified Engineer certification out too, which is really amazing. Brand new course that our team has worked on with the community. So let's talk about this because I have described this course incorrectly in the past and i'm not going to say how because Mm. i don't want to put the wrong information out there (laughs) look at your eye roll (laughs) ah joe you screwed it up yes you did eye roll (laughs) like yeah thanks joe for (laughs) screwing up my work so not my work by the way natalie bergman on my team is the one that is the mastermind behind this whole entire course her and mike fuller spearheaded this and have done an amazing job so just be very clear yes I just announced it. You know what? <laughs> I didn't make it. They're the brilliant minds. The fact that Natalie worked on it, she, I like. I have a hundred percent complete confidence that's an awesome course to take because she's mm-hmm. really, really good at this stuff. She's really good. So, explain to me the difference between the FinOps Certified Practitioner course and the FinOps Certified mm-hmm. Engineer course. So, the Practitioner course, I'm not going to go into that because people, right. I think, have a, a strong familiarity to it. But this course is really written from the perspective of an engineer or somebody that works in that whole realm, whether you're cloud engineer, DevOps, cloud systems, you know, solutions architect. Mm -hmm. And it's designed to not become a FinOps practitioner, because that's not the goal, but to demonstrate the ability to operate cloud infrastructure with cloud FinOps in mind. So how do you do your job as one of these roles that kind of fit into that umbrella of the more technical side? And how do you do that with cloud FinOps in mind? And it really goes through like, okay, what is FinOps? What does it mean for engineers? How does it impact the overall organization? What are some things you can do to make data-driven decisions and trade-offs and, you know, things that you need to keep in mind as an engineer, not as a practitioner. So the course really is designed specifically for engineers who design, construct, and operate solutions and infrastructure using the public cloud. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So it's a certification course Mm -hmm. for those engineers working with the FinOps team. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep. That is good. I didn't describe it that wrong. That wrong? That wrong. Very. I mean, I was 80% right. (laughs) 
So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Listen, I'm only about 80% right most of the time. So anyway, guess what? 80's passing. So it's okay. 80-20 rule means you get to round up, uh, which hmm. is about 80% understanding of the 80-20 rule. So, Stacy, how do I find these courses? You can go to learn.finops.org, where we have all of our courses and scholarship information. So awesome. Good to know. I think most people know that. Don't you do show notes? Do you do show notes? I don't show notes at the bottom. Put the click, link in there. Click the link at the bottom. Isn't that what podcast hosts do? Yeah, but who reads the show? Like, I don't know. According to Google, according to Google, people read the show notes. And they do. I've never read According show notes. to Google, I've never read show notes. But uh Yeah. I put links. I, don't know. I put links in there. You know what? I'm gonna put a link to the training site into this one. If you don't know how to find the training site, you're in luck. Look at the show notes. There's a link to the training site. <laughs> we need to really invest in some sound effects, so I stop too, you know. <laughs> and there we just lost everybody that was listening <laughs> have a good end of the year everyone <laughs> we have unfortunately this is what our audience wants okay so let's talk about i'm completely coming into this one with no knowledge at all what so who did you interview this time mm. and what are they talking about i had a conversation just recently with sarah kula and svetlana pagrebni from the Canadian Institute for Health Information. And you called it out earlier what their acronym is. C-I-H-I. Yes, and they have a very fun way of saying it. Oh, um, they do? Yeah, guess how you pronounce the acronym. Sci-hi? Nope. Kai-hi? Yes! Kai-hi. I, I would have never guessed the hard C. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it's Kai-hi. I was talking with Sarah and Svetlana when we were talking about presenting at potentially at a meetup. And I was like, let's just make this a podcast. And they have a story that I find really interesting because they were mature enough to do what I couldn't. I wasn't mature enough to take their actions that they took. Basically. There's so many mature jokes I could be throwing in right there. Well, I'm, I'm super mature. <laughs> so they had a tagging scheme that wasn't working mm -hmm. out. And I mean, I've developed a tagging scheme that didn't work out before in the past. And the way I solve the problem is by yelling and going and talking and just saying, why can't you do this right? I don't know why that didn't work for you. It didn't work, but they took a much more mature approach, reevaluated the scheme and basically said, let's start over and, you know, taking the lessons that we learned from the first rollout let's do it better the second time around. So that was really cool. And this is their story on how they did that. Awesome. I can't mm -hmm. wait to listen to it. Oh, you want to go straight to it? Yeah, let's go straight to Sarah and Svetlana and Kai Hai. Sarah, how about you tell us about yourself in Canadian... See? Is that how you Wait, say well, it? <laughs> Kai. 
Yeah, so Svetlana and I both work at the Canadian Institute for Health Information, otherwise known as KAIHAI. KAIHAI. Yeah, KAIHAI, exactly. So we're a not-for-profit funded by the federal government of Canada, and we provide data and information that helps accelerate health systems and health performance all across Canada. And then at KAIHAI, Svetlana and I both work as part of the cloud business office. We oversee governance in the cloud, and that includes our FinOps practice. So I'm the manager of the team, and Solana is our program consultant. You both talked to me about how you've been maturing your tagging scheme at KaiHai. And it was really interesting because you, you ran some trouble and you basically started over from scratch. Svetlana, why don't you take us to the beginning? Talk us through, because you were there first. What was going on? What was your tagging strategy like at the time? Yeah, so I had a, an opportunity to actually see the entire cloud migration, when, which we started sometimes around 2018. And I supported the project as a finance business partner at the time. And then I was lucky enough to make a move and join Cloud Business Office. So we had a tagging standard created after the migration was completed back in 2021. It did include 15 tags in total and 13 tags were deemed mandatory with a couple of optional tags. But unfortunately, they were not aligned with what was happening in AWS environment. So they were not enforced. We had to rely on individuals who were creating resources to actually tag them properly, which you can imagine wasn't always consistent or accurate. So when I joined Cloud Business Office, I started to look at the chargebacks a little bit closer. And I realized that I didn't have confidence in the cost that I was providing to the project. So I brought it to, to the attention of the manager at the time. And I said, let's, let's fix it. I don't think uh, what we have today is reliable. Uh, he was supportive. So I started to pull reports, you know, look at the details, try to explain and inform myself on what's happening. I reached out to technical teams because being a finance professional, I didn't have the technical background. So I needed someone's help externally to help me understand what happens on a technical side. And then we kind of stalled because the manager left and <laughs> I felt stuck. Um, I needed someone to help me and Sarah joined us in December. So she was instrumental in pushing the project forward. I want to take a second because I, I've been in that scenario before where the you, you suggest a tagging scheme and may, maybe it's a, a lot of tags and it's not enforced. You're, you're just kind of hoping people will do the right thing and tag it right. And even the folks who are trying to tag it right, you know, their fat finger errors and transpositions. All this to say is I'm really impressed with your response to that, which was, oh, we should just fix this system. As opposed to what I did was I did all so much cleanup work on the back end, trying to make it look right and just keep propping up a flawed system. I really think it's impressive that you stopped and were like, we should just, we should reconsider what's going on. We did go through the cleaning process. It's not like we escaped it. Uh, so there were multiple reiterations of cleanup that took place prior to me joining. And also after I joined as well, it just, it was so, it was such a difficult and complex task and it was so time consuming that it was just not feasible for us to continue to go through the cleanup. So we needed something that was more sustainable and we could actually have in place to make sure that we're able to 
perform in the future as well. It's still an impressive response to say that we we <laughs> this doesn't work. We need to we need to fix it. That's impressive. That's really cool. So Sarah, what was like when you joined? What did you see in and you joined Svetlana? Yeah, so I joined the team back in December of last year. And when Solana described to me the challenges of, you know, a lot of untagged resources, inaccurately tagged resources, unreliable data in our forecasting and our budgeting, and the lack of enforced tags, I really felt like we could do a lot better. And so immediately we worked to bring a plan to our CCOE or Cloud Center of Excellence. And so in that plan, we basically said, let's align on tags that we want. Let's keep it simple, just five tags. Let's define some responsibilities here, right? So us in the cloud business office, we could help with communication. The, the CCOE can oversee governments, maybe security can help with periodic audits. We kind of define that in that meeting. And what we want to start enforcing, let's just start with our highest cost resources, EC2, S3, RDS, right? And from there, let's work on a communication plan because I learned that in the past, there were some issues with enforced tags. So we had tried it in the past, but because of an unclear error that teams were getting when they were trying to create resources, they didn't like the enforced tags, essentially. So we decided not to go forward with them because of that unclear messaging. So we knew that if we were to move forward with enforced tagging again, it's very important that all teams are completely aware of what is happening. Oh, so... For the first time, the engineers, the developers are trying to launch resources, they're getting an error, and they're flooding someone with tickets and complaints. I can see that. Yeah, yeah so AWS, and this is what I was told before I joined the company, mm -hmm. that AWS essentially doesn't give a clear error when you're missing a tag. Instead, it just says like unknown error or something like, like very vague. <laughs> so no one knows what the reason is that they're not able to create the resource you're looking to create. But the reason is that it ends up being because of the tag. And so that was causing a lot of frustration on our engineering teams. Yeah, I can understand that, that once they figured out what was going on, people probably weren't pleased with that. So you rolled out a much better communication strategy to make sure everyone was aware of it. So you, you avoided that issue the second time around. You mentioned a three-step process. Yeah, so when we... We're starting to approach teams and talk to the different team leads, the different team members. We talked about a three-step approach. Our number one was to keep it simple. So instead of having 15 tags, we want five tags and make sure all those tags are mandatory. And then instead of doing starting with all resources, we're starting with our three top resources, EC2, RDS, and S3. And then also to we want to do one account at a time. And the Reason for that is also to give teams like a time to get used to it, but also because there's so many scripts involved in creating resources, we want to make sure we're not breaking any scripts. And then step two was communicate the plan. So make sure the strategy works for the company, make sure that everyone knows that they're involved in this. That consistency is very important in how we're tagging. And then number three was the continuous improvement part, right? Make sure we're continuing to clean up untagged resources and properly tagged resources. So just to review the three steps, it's keep it simple, communicate the plan, continuous improvement. Yeah, and, and you mentioned going through by account, and it, it really makes sense when you're explaining it because you mentioned all the scripts that had to get updated. 
So you develop your rollout plan and you approach an account owner. Did you do some sort of discovery on what scripts were needing to be updated or did you leave that to the application teams? So we had technical uh, resources on the operations team that we worked closely with mm -hmm. and they definitely were the ones to do that discovery. That work was very important as part of going forward with tagging, right. with this tagging technology. Because you're still trying to avoid those errors and you get a lot better buy-in when you're helping update the scripts that are impacted. I think that's really cool. What were some of the discoveries that you had as you went through this process? So what we found is that not all resources are actually um, taggable, I, I guess I could say. So we noticed that basically the backup snapshots that we were creating using Commvault, which we currently using for a lot of our backup, the scripts were predetermined already and there was no way to change them. So unfortunately, we had to accept that error and we just have to live with it today, understanding that there are some obligations on the cost. Yeah, so we, we, re we found uh, a large amount of untagged snapshot, snapshots that were not part of our budgeting beforehand, that we weren't, they, they weren't tagged, right? So that had to be added to our budget. Yeah, so I, I mean, the way that we budget, we look at the historical data, so we have an idea of what to expect, but they were not, we were not able to allocate those untagged um, snapshots to projects. And in some cases, the cost was significant and they did relate to different projects. So unfortunately, we had to absorb the cost as part of ITS budget, which you can uh, probably relate that people were not happy about. I mean, there's so many different initiatives we could repurpose the funding towards rather than just absorbing someone else's cost. Right. But it's part of that cleanup effort, right? It's like the technical debt of bad tagging getting realized, saying, okay, we have to absorb this cost. It's going to come at the expense of another potential project. So that's unfortunate, but real. Yeah, definitely. You know, another, not so much of a challenge, but more kind of a revelation is that this is not the end. So the tagging is implemented, but we have to continuously look at the process and review and now our next steps are making sure that the tags exist in place, but now the focus is shifting more towards are they accurate? So now we know we have most of the tags in place, but are they actually consistent? Are they saying what we expect them to say? Can we actually make sense of them when we group the costs together and allocate it to projects? How are you solving that issue? <laughs> Well, it's not an easy process. So at the moment, we started running the audit reports. Actually, just recently, I started to run reports to address all the untagged resources, of which at this point is very few. And I think I'll be the one to actually review the data to find those inconsistencies. And then I'll have to address each team who is responsible for those particular resources to update the tax. I like this because Jason Fuller said this on another episode is like, it doesn't matter how mature you get, you still need that base level of the capability in order to continue to mature so that you're not just saying, okay, we tagged the resources, we're enforcing the tags now. You're going back and doing reviews and audits to make sure that, that data is still accurate so that you can build better decisions off of that data. That's very cool. That's right. Better data, better decisions. Ah, that's the tag right there. Better data, better <laughs> decisions. 
I think that's our like, company mandate. <laughs> Logo? Yeah. Get it on a t-shirt. Okay, so now you have better data that you're getting for it. How are you getting this data out to people in order to make those better decisions? Something that we've newly implemented are quick site kudos dashboards. Mm-hmm. So essentially, those are able to gather our cost and usage data based on our tags and display them in dashboards in real time. So at this point, we've created dashboards for all the different projects teams, the different operations teams, as well as executives, so they can see their unique dashboard and identify their costs. And this has been really successful. We just really newly rolled it out, but already we've seen, you know, users who are like, oh, I see this cost here and that I didn't expect to see that. Let me go investigate. And therefore, oh, look, this whole environment stood up that I should shut down. I shouldn't be there. Right. So we're finding it useful and we're hoping to continue to make it more useful. We have more ideas on how to enhance it uh, even more going forward. I mean, that's so core and great that you're able to present this data and these decisions are are happening. And you weren't able to do that the first time through. You know, you weren't able to get to this point if you didn't have that moment of saying we we need to reassess our tagging strategy and basically reboot it, unplug it and plug it back in, you know, to reestablish your cost allocation and tagging strategy. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and it is great. And we were building both in parallel. So we were building out our dashboards while we were working through our tagging strategy. And we were hoping that we can one day use our dashboards for forecasting when the data is accurate. Like not now because our data is not accurate, but when the data is accurate, hopefully we'll be able to roll this out and use it for forecasting. So it's really great to see how much progress you made during that time. That is great. So Sarah, how long did this take? So we did set timelines with our teams of when we want to roll out the tags in the different accounts. Yeah. And I, and following up on those ta- and those timelines, not that they were always met, but because we were following up, it kept things moving forward. So we didn't essentially just say like, oh, go tag things and go enforce things. We kept following up with the team and saying, you know, we're, we accept this done in the next by next Thursday. And then at that time, you know, reevaluating if that's still a realistic deadline or not. That's kept us on track. And be, we were able to do this in three months because we were following up with the teams on certain timelines. Wait, so in my head, this was like a two-year process. You did this in three months? Yeah, I would. I mean, <laughs> let's see. So I, I joined December of 2022, <laughs> right before Christmas break. And then we probably brought this to the CCOE in February. And from there, Svetlana, maybe help me out. Yes, I think we actually... From there, we communicated and communicated and communicated, getting people on board. And May is when we started actually enforcing the tags. And then we just finished in, what, August? May, June, July, August. Oh, my God. Four months. Yes, end of August is when we finished both lending zones. So if we didn't mention, we actually have two separate environments in uh, AWS Cloud. And so one of them was the original environment where we lifted and shifted everything from our physical data centers. And then we've created a second environment for our cloud native applications. So we managed to tag both of them in that short time frame. That's amazing to me. I, I keep, I'm thinking about this because when I was leading a, a FinOps team, we had one account that was just so horribly 
like the tagging, we screwed up on the tagging in this one account. And the only solution was just to blow up the account. We said, okay, we're shutting this account down in three months. Um, and that was for one account. It took us three months to evacuate the account safely and just to get the buy-in, get people to actually move to an account and tag their resources. And you did two different environments and all your accounts in that same amount of time. So that's super impressive. So excellent. Cool. Well, thank you both so much. I greatly appreciate your time today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Hey, Completionist listener, you have successfully reached the end of this episode, making you a true Phenoptonaut. Lessons to take away from this episode. One, don't be afraid to stop doing things that aren't working. In only a matter of months, Sarah and Svetlana were able to fix and roll out a better solution. Second lesson, communication and change management are key. They were successful because they focused on communication and spent time helping teams update their launch scripts. A great way to get people to take action is to do the work for them. And three, don't stop moving. They continue to iterate and move on to dashboards and forecasting now that they have better data to make better decisions. A big thank you to Sarah and Svetlana for sharing their story with us. If you're listening to the podcast when this is originally released, you might potentially meet them at the Las Vegas Roadshow. And also, you can see them on the FinOpsX website. Their photos kick off the promo video. Also, a big thank you to Stacy Case for helping doodle smiley faces and kicking off the podcast. As Stacy shared, the Certified FinOps Engineer course is out extremely soon. So go check it out on training.finops.org. Again, link in the show notes. That's it for this episode. Until next time, keep on finopsin'.